Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for clicking play. This is the Adoma podcast, a platform for sharing stories of women, uplifting others and changing the narrative. Thank you so much for clicking play. All right, my people, thank you so much for joining me again today. This is episode three of the Seco Cell Warrior series. And our guest for today is Joanne Jonah, the Seacode Warrior. She's going to be sharing her story with us from when she was diagnosed at the age of 10, how her parents has been dealing with it, her time in school, her anemic heart failure, her time in Cotonou in Benin Republic, and every other thing we need to know about our guest for today so don't go nowhere stick with me and let's go meet our guest for today hello joanne thank you so much for joining us on the show today thank you too i appreciate this platform giving me all right thank you for choosing to share your story with us welcome. okay so we are going to go straight to our first question of today we would like you to tell us about your childhood days uh, i grew up in Abuja and there are three in my family, two boys and I'm the only girl mm. and I was diagnosed with sickle cell at the age of 10. So I practically had my childhood. I was able to play. I was able to do everything I wanted. Mm. Just that my mom or my parents actually noticed I was always kind of body pains, little pains here and there. So yeah. it allowed me to do hectic jobs. It don't allow me to enter water and all that. Mm. Had fun during my childhood days. I really enjoyed it. Okay, so you were diagnosed at the age of ten. Yes. Were you fully aware at that age? At that age, I wasn't aware of what was happening. Mm. But I still have memories. Just my parents, they had to tell me, "Okay, this is it. You can't do hectic jobs. You can't do this. You can't yeah. do that." And then my dad was really all out. He had to get my drugs for me. I had to start learning how to take drugs, mm. how to rest, and at the point we're going to churches always so i just felt i didn't really know what was wrong with me but i knew we're going to churches for healing and Mm, all that mm. okay so are you the only one with sickle cell in your family yes i'm the only one okay so did that make you feel different or does it still make you feel different did it he actually made me feel different because i I got away with everything I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was a big girl, so he was all out for me. He didn't let my mom stress me. He didn't let my brother shout at me or anything. So I had that love. Like, they really made me feel special because they just heard me cry a little bit. They were so concerned about me. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so it made you feel special. So it made you feel different in a good way. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. So... Tell us more about your parents, how they handled it during your childhood days. Uh, they were all out for me because they they always asked me if I was okay, if I was stressed and all that. Mm-hmm. I was always taking drugs. Mm-hmm. So the crisis was not so frequent. Yeah. But anytime I had crisis, no matter the time, even if it's at night, because those days I to have crisis at night very well. So mm. even if that night, I can remember my parents rushing me down to the hospital. Mm. And thanks to God, the hospital I registered with was not so far from my house. Okay. 
they were always rushing me to the hospital. They were always there. And my dad was all out for me. My mom would always be in the hospital with me and all. So mm. they really went all out. They really fought very well for me. Okay, you talked about going to church, taking you to church, taking her bad drugs and all that. Yes. How was your experience like for you? And the experience for churches was not so bad because um, a Christian, so going to church was normal for me. Mm. But then we are going to see the men of God. They were always praying. Mm. I felt okay. I don't know what's wrong, but we were looking for healing. Yeah, it's just part of life. So I didn't take it as anything. But the one that I really took so bad was the herbal drug. I don't know. I'm, I just don't like herbal drug. Mm. <laughs> the bitter taste and all that. Yes, this day, you say this one will work, this one will work. <laughs> so I thought my dad saying that this drug is out, it's working. Mm. It's all out. Even if I don't like it, he must get me to take, take that it. drug. Yeah. To buy it and make me sit in front of him and take the drug. Even if I was five thought I must just take the drug. So he really went all out during yeah. that time. Okay, so tell us about your primary school days. In my primary school days, then they had not really discovered it. So I just, there was a time during my exam, I was sick, so I could not write like my primary five exams or so. So I had to repeat the class. Mm. I was ill. That's like memory I can't remember. But I was fine. I was just little pins here and there. And yeah. so I didn't know what was going on then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about secondary school? Yeah, my secondary school, I can remember vividly. But then, okay, I just knew I was a sickle cell warrior. I had sickle cell, but I didn't know okay. what it was. Yeah. It was a boarding school, first of all. So, mm. my parents had to tell the guidance, how to tell the school. But in a boarding school where they are just ladies, you can't tell everybody that, okay, don't send this child. Okay, mm. don't send this child. So, I still had times where seniors flogged me. Mm. Or if they are punishing everybody generally, they still have to do the same to me. Yeah. So I have to adapt to it. Mm. And at a point, a senior flogged me so bad that I was so sick. So that's how I left that school. And then I went to Joss. And mm. I could not report to the senior because if I had gone back to the school, she would still come for me. So yeah. I just, I guided and I fell and stuff like that. So I just had to wait the issue. And your parents were aware of this? I didn't even tell my dad. I didn't tell him. So what led to the change of school? I complained. I was like, Daddy, I don't like this school. They are maltreating me. I don't feel okay in this school. Okay. I'm always calling inland. Oh, you're not like, but there's no school you go to that you won't see bad people. Bad people are everywhere. I told him, I know, just change my school for me. Yeah. I so much pressure. I didn't tell him, okay, this is what I was going through. Mm. But I put much pressure that he just had to change it. And... Then he got transferred to Joe, so he just took me along with him, and my aunt was there, and she's a retired nurse. Okay. She just took me there with him. All right. So tell us about Joe. How was your stay there? My stay in Joe was nice. It was good. My aunt is a retired nurse, so anytime I had crisis where she was at home, treats me and all. Mm. Because some of these crises, you can actually manage them at home, depending on how intense it is. Okay. And the weather was so good that I hardly fall in. I mm. had if I was falling in to be once a year or mm. something like that. And I was eating very well. When I was in Abuja with my mom, if I tell her, Mommy, I don't want to eat beans, she's going to say, Okay, what do you want to eat? If I say, I don't want to eat vegetables, 
she will let me go and my dad was so angry but with my aunt i know i can't try this yeah i have to put it then i'm very very selective but when i go to jobs i had no choice than to eat all this thing. my aunt would practically sit with me there and make me eat my food <laughs> so when i got there i was becoming faster i was looking so fresh no stress mm-hmm. and all that yeah so it was a nice experience and it's cool it was a boarding school though where i was attending the day section okay. and then teachers were aware it was teachers were aware so there was no stress nothing nothing at all mm, and no bullying yes there was no bullying nothing nothing so okay so how about your university days was it in jos as well No, I applied for the University of Jersey. Unfortunately, I didn't get the admission. Okay. So I had to apply to the um, National State University mm. and I got admission there. But the first week I went there, I actually felt very ill because mm. the weather in Nigeria is very hot, Kenya mm. is hot. So when I got there, I, I was not so used to the weather and I felt very ill. Mm. And then I always felt ill. I don't I don't know when I'm even in Abuja. I adapt very well than Kefi. Mm. In off and on, off and on. But thanks to my sister, I still my sister. She has been really helpful to me. If she just hears me complain, she takes me to the school clinic. And the school clinic, if you are registered, if you are a student, yeah. your treatment free. Okay. So most times when I just have crisis, they just take me there and then they give me IV fluids, they give me injections. And then we try to check for malaria or my blood level mm. is low, and then I get treated, not even paying a dime. So okay. you wait near me and my mom. Okay. So you said the weather in Nasarawa was very hot. Yes. How about that in uh, Jos? Jos is a cold place. Okay, which one is favorable to you? Jos is more favorable to me because I stayed there up to. Five years, so I adapted too well. And two things can cause crisis. Apart from others, the hot weather can cause crisis, and the cold weather can cause crisis. Mm, I was wondering. Yes, the hot weather or the cold weather can cause crisis. Okay. So I adapted too well. If the cold was too much, and my mom bought me a warm hot water bottle, I put hot water inside, and tasked. Body like hairy, so I can just hold it and just sleep. Okay. So I'll be home for the whole night. Okay. Yeah. But in terms of Kefi, I don't know. The, there's no light constantly, so the weather was always very hot. Inside class, we are all jam packed. Yeah. Weather. I don't know. My body didn't just adapt to the weather. Okay. Yes. Okay. Talking about uh, crises. Has there been any crisis you've been through that is so much more than the other? Yes, I get crises like that, but some are just so normal that okay, I get treated at home. Okay. The last one I had, I I think it started around seven. I was in my friend's house. It started around seven, so her mom brought me back home. That's seven p.m. in the evening. Seven in the evening. Yes, seven in the evening. So. My friend's mom brought me home. My neighbor is a doctor. My mom called him. They gave me my injection at home. Okay. Yeah, I was still feeling pains though, but I was just trying to endure everything. And I slept. I was fine. I took all my drugs. They gave me hot water bath and all. Okay. But around one or two again at night, it started. And this time it was severe. My 
my knee went numb. I could not walk. Mm-hmm. I was just crying, and I was having a fever, the cold. I was shivering already. So there was no help. They just had to rush me to the hospital. So sometimes the crisis get very severe that you have to go to the hospital. Okay. Because sometimes, even if they give you drug, um, injection or drug, blood mm. is so sickle. You need fluid to be able to flush it out. Okay. So, I think that was what happened to me. I actually needed fluid. So, when I got to the hospital at around 2, they just um, gave me fluid. And then, by morning, I was already doing better. Mm. The pain won't just go away. But at least, it's going to reduce the whole pain. Okay. So aside that, any other crisis that has been a huge challenge? And sometimes, even not crisis, there was one I had in school. It was not a crisis, but at the end of the day, we discovered that it was an infection. Okay. I was having cough and difficulty in breathing. Mm-hmm. Because of my experience before, I had an heart failure. I thought maybe it was the same thing, but it was not as intense as the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, school clinic, they gave me cocktails and all that, but it wasn't working. So I met one of the staffs in the pharmacy there. I explained everything, and I know I need to see the head doctor. Mm. And so he got an appointment for me, and I saw the head doctor. And then after the whole test and everything, they discovered that it was an infection. Okay. Yeah, so I had to take some drugs, and within two days, I was actually better. Something I've been struggling for about three weeks. Mm. They just gave me these drugs and I was better already. Okay. So. You just talked about uh, anemic heart failure? Yes. Okay. Can we talk about that for like a minute? Okay. Um, anemic heart failure is one of the complications in sickle cell. Mm. And then when it happened to me, I just lost my dad. Oh. Because when my dad was sick, I was going to the hospital with him and was taking, I was treating malaria. Mm. So I think taking this malaria drug was draining my blood. Mm. So by the time we passed on and we, buried, we did the burial and we came back home, I started having difficulty breathing. I could not walk to the junction and get back home. I was looking for air here and there. Mm. And I thought it was cough because I was also coughing and choking. She thought it was cough. She gave me um. Tom Tom and Tunja, I said I've chewed. I did, but within me, I knew that this thing is not cough. Yeah. It's just choking me. The cough is not coming out, it's choking me. So I told her, but she was still eyes, cough is cough. To one Sunday night when the thing just woke me, and then I could not breathe and went to the hospital. I was mm. on oxygen, they did all the tests. The hospital went to first, they said I had water in my chest. Mm-hmm. And after that, so they will they will repair me. So they wanted to repair me to National Hospital, but my mom refused. She said they should take us to Jude's. That the hospital in Jules. Okay. So they repaired me, and my aunt was a retired nurse, so she made all the arrangements before we got to Jules. Okay. And immediately we got there. I don't know, maybe the attack was just waiting for me to get to the front of the hospital, and immediately I got there. I was already choking and I could not even urinate without me choking or mm. without me looking scared. Mm. So I was oxygen and then before being transferred, they already transfused blood for me in Africa. They transfused two packs of blood for me. So when I got to the hospital gate, I wanted to pee 
and then I was taken to the toilet, but I could not even enter because I was already choking. So they just brought me back and then put me on oxygen. Mm. They did the remaining test, and then by midnight, they took me to the ward. And I was on oxygen, but I think the oxygen was not so well. I don't know, maybe they didn't put it well. Mm. So I had discomfort in my nose, and I was crying all through the night. I was like, they should remove it, but they refused. They're like, I should just calm down. And after a few days, the doctors that were seeing me, they actually the same doctors that saw my dad when he was ill. Mm. Because so when they saw my mom, they're like, "Ah, madam, don't worry, we, know any, we won't allow anything happen to your daughter." So they really went all out. They did everything so fast, mm-hmm. like many scans, so many, so many blood tests, and all. And at the end of the day, they diagnosed me with anemic heart failure, and they gave me some tiny drugs, and I took, and I was feeling like every two seconds, I was just peeing continuously. I was just peeing. Mm-hmm. I actually got better and everything. But I still stayed in just for another two months because I had to be going for checkup. Yeah. And uh, since then, I've not had any occurrence of it again. So anytime I'm having crisis, they must just check my blood level. And most times, if it's very low, I get transfused immediately. Okay. Because it was because well, anytime they tell my mom, okay, she's set of blood, you tell me, oh, we'll come and post it at home with or something <laughs> let her not do that again because that was what caused it yeah not, the blood was coming back but it wasn't just it was going down mm. it's very very good they just transfused immediately not to take any chances okay yeah. okay so i'm so sorry for uh your dad do accept my condolences uh I want to ask, do you think the loss of your dad and the stress during the barrier and all that contributed to that crisis? Yeah, it actually contributed because I was very close to my dad. Mm. It really hit me hard. Like, I could still not believe up to today. I still feel maybe he traveled or something. So it was really difficult for me at that time. Okay. Okay, there was a time you traveled to Cotonou. You've talked about the weather and how you adapted in Jaws and that of Nasarawa. How was Cotonou like for you? Um, by the time I got to Cotonou in November, it was the weather was cold. Mm. So I, adapt, I adapted easily. The weather was cold. So I didn't really get any crisis but at the point i don't know maybe it was due to stress or change of environment yeah i, I got crisis but it was not so severe yeah and i took my medications there my roommates could give injections so if i just had crisis she would just give me injection and then i'll sleep all day and i'll be fine by the next morning mm. and there was one time like before i came back that was in february march I had crisis as usual, and then we went to the hospital because they, yeah, they don't, you don't just go to the clinic and buy drugs. No, you must have a prescription and all that. Mm. Yeah. So we went to the hospital, I got treated and all. And I, I was taking injections. I went for my last injection, and the nurse was telling my classmate that my blood is very low. Yeah. And when friend told me, I panicked. Mm. I, panicking already because I knew what happened last time. I was very, very scared and 
I was telling God that no, we need to do something. We need to do something. Mm. He broke forth and muted. I said, see, you push it. Leave this thing. This is not what's wrong with me. <laughs> you to hear and all. I just wanted blood at that point in time. Yeah. That issue. But in the front, yeah, they don't just give blood like that. It's not even all hospitals that um, transfuse blood. Mm. So it will be wearing, could not even transfuse blood for me. And I think within two days, I started having a sharp pain around my chest area. Mm. It was so severe that I could not sleep. They had to give me sleeping injection for me to be able to sleep that night. Mm. After that, they now referred me to the hospital in Cotonou. They referred me to a bigger hospital yeah. that transfused blood because I was already looking weak. I was already pale. Yeah. To see that was, you know, this guy, they need to do something. So my classmates, they really went all out for me, mm. like even for them. My brother, we are in Nigeria, they were already calling if they should come and pick me. Yeah. But they told them not to worry. And the director of the school too was helpful. Mm. So when I got to one of the hospitals, they said they don't do blood transfusion. And also they had to refer me to another one. And at those ones, on seeing me, they already knew that uh, we needed to do something urgently. Mm. So and everything and my mom was able to send money so they transfused blood for me that night mm. so they had to do the transfusion and I was getting better by the next day but they still have to keep me to check and all and for the pain in my chest they, they were I don't know what they said it was but I had to go for a scan but think of what they were thinking it was it was not it okay so I just received some injections on my shoulders and then the pain subsided and then I was fine. Mm. And immediately after that, I wrote my exams and then I came back to Nigeria. The school director was very helpful. He was he stood like a father for me. Mm. Then, so he was always coming to ask the doctors for progress and all. So he was really helpful. Mm. So how long did you stay in Kotunu? I stayed for five months. Okay. Yes. All right. All right, so you talked about panicking when you were talking about your stay in uh, Cotonou. And uh, I watched one of your video online. You were talking about uh, speaking to your mind and your body. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I usually have fear. I don't know what I'm scared of. It. I'm oh, This spirit of fear, I don't know what it is. I've mm. prayed like, a lot of times. Mm. Sometimes even when I just have normal crisis, I begin to and then I'm all shaking and all panicking, yeah. But I'm just praying and it's subsiding to I'm beginning to overcome the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So but I was actually scared when I was in Kutun because if you see me you know that ah this one if they don't do something, something else might just happen mm. thanks to God and speaking to my myself or my mind or my body, at that point when you are so sick you might not really think about it. Yeah. Yeah, so I learned, I knew about it, but at that point, it didn't really come to my mind. Okay, Joanne, it was my friends that were calling me from Nigeria. One of my friends was like, Joanne, speak to your mind. You are healed. You are healed. Mm. I was just sending her email. email. But at that point, I could not even speak to myself. Mm. So but I just realized that ah, you need to make it a habit. So yeah. Even when you're in pain you know that, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So in this lockdown, there's sometimes I almost had crisis one Sunday. 
And I was like, I'm supposed to be in church dancing, you know, not lying down here and crying for Christ's pain. And then I just spoke to myself. I said, Joa, you cannot be sick. You are the mm-hmm. healed of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And actually, the pain actually hit me. And by the time I was in church, I even forgot I almost had the pain crisis. Mm-hmm. It actually just went. I'm like, ah, okay, it's working. It's going. Yeah. So why not just make it a habit and then do it always? Yeah. And that crisis is here. What to tell them? It's no time move. You cannot be in this body. Mm-hmm. Pain cannot come at this time. It responds. So you don't speak positively to your mind. You think positive at all all times. Me, I like to dance. And I know that, okay, if I dance, so crisis will happen. Yeah. Then I dance because I can't limit myself. Mm-hmm. Or anything that will happen, will happen. So why... Limit yourself. Yes. Why do that to yourself? Just be happy, live in the moment, enjoy the moment. Mm. So you talked about uh, you love to dance, but sometimes you cannot dance because you, so that it doesn't lead to crisis and all that. And uh, you also talked about on your video, you also talked about um, how you do not like to take water, how you don't like to exercise. But I think, uh, tell us about that taking water part. How do you, what do you do about it since you are supposed to be taking a lot of fluid, right? Yes. So now that you don't like to take water, how do you do it? Okay. I actually downloaded, downloaded an app on my phone, mm. drink water app reminder. So I downloaded it on my phone and then I set it it's to remind me every two, two hours to mm. drink water. So Every two hours, uh, every two hours or every one hour, I put a reminder. It just depends on how I want it to be. Okay. And then at every time it reminds me to drink water, and then I go to take the water. So it actually helps me in my water intake. Because if you leave me, I might take water just once a day, and it's not good. I need to drink water to remain healthy, to remain dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Being hydrated, sorry, because if you are dehydrated, your blood clots, and then it causes painful crisis. So you need your blood to have a free flow of blood to be able to stay healthy and not have a painful crisis. Yeah. So, and the app has been helpful? Yes, it has been helpful. How about the exercising part? <laughs> During the lockdown, I tried to exercise and the next day I was having crisis. So I never tried it again. I just okay. that my body doesn't like exercise. Mm. I don't because I've not tried it and my body got used to it, but mm. I'm not going to try. What am I exercising? Okay. I'm, I'm not sure, so there's nothing to exercise. I just, even if I want to exercise, I just dance it up. So whatever I do, I just dance it up. Okay. So uh, are there other things that you like to do, but you can't do it because you know that your body would not accept it? Yeah, there are other things I like to do. I like to go swimming. Mm. My friend, I can't do that in a hot weather. Mm. There was this day I was supposed to go hiking with my brother. There's this waterfall around my area. Yeah, I prepared and I was going there with my brothers, and then I actually passed out. Mm. We had to bring me back home. So since then, people are like, Joanna, let's go to this place where I do. I can't go. I know what I experienced last time. My brothers were so scared. My mom was so scared, and I mm. can't let them pass through that again. Yeah. When I and actually avoid this. Yeah. So, it's not a must for me to go there. There are other places I can go to. Mm. So I know my strength can't take me to this place. 
why try? I can go to other places, so I don't want to stress and make my family go through unnecessary stress. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about your relationship life. Okay. How is so, it like for you? Uh, relationship, it, it's not been so good because I don't know, maybe most of the guys, I don't know if they are scared. Mm. I'm not I'm not so secretive. Like if I meet a guy for the first time and yeah. you are so interested in me, I just tell you straight up, I tell you, okay, I'm SS. Mm. So no, if you are ready to do this, fine. If you are not ready then you can part with it. I yeah. know I've made a lot of mistakes mm. because one other time I was in a relationship for about four months and I didn't know the guy's genotype. Mm. I don't know what I was doing though, but I was just moving. And the girl was like, okay, let me check. And at the end of the day, he was scared. Mm. And I cried, but what can I do? We just have to move on. Yeah. Something we can say will continue because there's no future in this. Even though we want to be together, but for the sake of the future. Mm. Yeah, try to encourage me, okay, we can go through with this. Mm. Okay, try when you get pregnant, when you get married, you get pregnant. If the baby is SS, we will remove it. Mm. And can't go through this pain every time. Yeah. I'm my own pain and then you want me to put a child through another pain. No, it's not, no, no. It's not possible. So I told you like, let's just be friends and let this go. Mm. And we are we still talk to but we are not in the relationship part. Okay. And I don't know. I still make the same mistake. Being in a relationship for a year and six months without knowing the guy's genotype. Okay, he said he's AA. And at the point, halfway into the relationship, I told him, okay, what's your genotype? And he's like, a genotype of blood group, he's too confused, he doesn't know. I'm mm. like, I don't understand, you don't know. Yeah. He told me you're AA. He said, eh, he told me, like, I'm like, uh-uh, what's happening here? I said, okay, let's go and check. Yes. And he has been turning me and turning me <laughs> So I just felt if this person has my best interest, this shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Then that case is not even expensive. At all. Like One thousand is from hospitals. Yeah. And if this person really wants to be with me, like this shouldn't be an issue. You do these things for me, but mm. since this is not what you want, then I can't be in this relationship because I can't be in something I'm not sure. Yeah. So what we are together in the next seven years and maybe we are trying to step to that and then you just come out of me and tell me okay i'm not it what's going to happen mm. at the end of the day so why not know it now stage? yes why not know it now to avoid all the whole fears at the end of the day and all mm. so and other things i don't know maybe he was not ready to open up to me about his family will accept me and all that so yeah. the point I have I just have to set myself straight and then leave the relationship mm. yeah. so currently are you in any relationship? I'm not in okay. any relationship okay alright so tell us about uh, your talk show Beyond the Seacode Life um, okay after my experience at Jaws when I had um, the anemic heart failure. Yeah. I was just sitting in the room with my mom and a thought just came to me and said, ah, God has kept you for this long. Mm. What are you doing with it? How are you letting the world know? Because so many people around me have told me, ah, Joanne, 
you being here, God God messes that have kept you. Of course. Like, I always get a lot of things. People tell me, okay, God is doing this for you. God is using you to show who he is to the world. Yeah. I've asked a prophecy from my sister. So I'm like, okay, if, this, if God is doing this thing for me, why don't I show the world who he is through mm. me? So I just felt there was no how I was just here. He has kept me for this long up to this thing. So let me use it way. So I said, if God has kept me this long, I'm supposed to use it in a good way. Mm. I actually wanted to open my foundation, but because of limited funds and maybe people around me were not so willing. Yeah. So it just brought my hope down and I said, okay, I can't just stay and keep hoping on people because I've been willing to open it since 2018, but the movement was blue. I said, I can't keep procrastinating and mm, start, start with something yeah right thing. and this lockdown really helped Helps. me like i was at home i wasn't doing anything i said okay why not start this mm. and that's how i came up with beyond the secret life yeah okay so what are you trying to educate others trying to educate the society and everyone that comes across your page about just tell us what is it about the Beyond the Secret Life that you're trying to tell the public. So, the name, Beyond the Secret Life. So, tell us about it, the beyond. Okay, the beyond is just like, if we can do anything, like, okay, it's not all about having crisis, it's not all about pain, it's not all about empathy. Like, mm. it's more in the society. There are secret cell warriors that are directors, there are secret cell warriors that they can be anything. They can, we can be anything we want. We are, they are just like normal human beings, just that we are limited to something. Mm. And I, I get instances whereby people tell me, ah, Joanne, you cannot do this. Joanne, you cannot do that. Yeah. But to be able to prove people wrong. Beyond the secret life, it's about showcasing the world that a warrior can be more. Yeah. A warrior can offer more to the society. Mm. We are not just there. We can do whatever we want to do. We can pet healthy children. We can get married to. We can live a normal life. We can be teachers. We can be presidents. Anything. You don't have to limit yourself because most times the society tends to limit us to things we can do and things we cannot do. Mm. So to erase that and then show them that, okay, as a warrior, you can do this. And then I want to also educate them on issues that they think is nothing. Yeah. So I'm just trying to educate and then still pass the information to know knowing your genotype every time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the awareness trying to pass out because a lot of people don't know about this. A lot and a lot of True. people don't know about it. True. Okay. So we would like you to debunk one myth the society has made us believe about persons with sickle cell. Um, the society has made people believe that warriors are are always sick. They can't do anything. They are always falling sick. They are just there. Or maybe a warrior is going to die. You can't live to some certain age. Mm. All that. But there are warriors that live to their 30s. They live to their 50s. They live to their 60s. Mm. It's not sickle cell deciding your destiny. It's God deciding your destiny. Mm-hmm. Because if, if God say, okay, you are going to live till when you are 80, mm. you your life. 
So at the end of the day, it is God saying and not sickle cell saying. So the, the society should try to understand this and then try to understand that sickle cell also can bet normal children because mm. they feel you don't have the energy or you don't have the strength to bet. Mm. They the hospital are sick and this pregnant woman walked in and was admitted. And we're talking and we're talking. She asked me about the warrior. I told her yes. And she said she's a warrior. Mm. I'm like, are you serious? She said yes. And she was telling me how she she has two children and she gave birth to them naturally. She didn't go through CS or anything. Yeah. And that for the child. I'm like, Ma, how did you do this? She said, when it had due date, she just comes to the hospital, treats malaria, take a lot of fluid. Mm. And then at times she has no crisis and she's able to deliver. Mm. I've always had this mentality that, okay, when it's my time to give birth, I can't stress, I'll go through CS because mm. I don't want me. Mm. Then I now have changed my mentality about that. Mm. So, what do you think will happen to Mr. A will not happen to Mr. B? Yeah. Warriors are different. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So, our last question for today. Tell us okay. two things you wish people know about persons with sickle cell. Uh, I wish our our fathers knew more about this. Mm. So the people living with sickle cell will not be so much there because they were so ignorant. Mm. A lot of people living with sickle cell, and then I wish our forthcoming generation will know more yeah. about people to avoid having unborn children living with sickle cell. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your contribution, which is one of the reasons why we are recording this episode today to create more awareness and which is also one of the reasons you are doing your talk show Beyond the Secret Life to create more awareness on the genotype, uh, how, what they should do, who they should get married to, and even when it happens, how they can go about it. Because so many of our parents did not know how to go about it. They were just there. Sometimes they had to say, ah, this child is a winch. This child is an Ogbanje. Ah, this one has come to kill us. He wants to squander our money and all that. All right. Thank you so much, Joanne, for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much and have a nice day. All right, you've heard it all from our guest for today. I believe you've heard something different you didn't hear in episode one and episode two of this series. So much we need to know about sickle cell. Okay, you can join the conversation online by using the hashtag, hashtag the Edoma podcast. You can check us on Instagram at the Edoma podcast on Twitter at Edoma podcast. You can like us on Facebook at the Edoma podcast. All right, I'll believe in everything you need to know on the show notes of this episode so just check the show notes after you're done and uh, you can also support this podcast if you want to by using the link on the show notes thank you so much and it's time to say goodbye